Welcome to Production Pieces. In this episode, I look at unemployment. To work in television, more often than not, is to work as a freelancer, hopping across from production to production, never too sure where the next job might come from. This lifestyle can sometimes feel freeing, allowing for long holidays, for example, but it can also feel scary, precarious and tiring. I'm joined by Kimberly Godbolt. You have to set yourself a little goal of, okay, I'm going to send three new emails today, or I'm going to call up three people, perhaps, that I've worked with in the past. Then I'm going to go out and do something for me. Kim Ruster. Our weekly rates, whatever they are, aren't our true weekly rates. You need to knock a hundred quid or whatever you can afford off that every week and park it so that you can, then you've got money throughout your unemployment times. And Rob Gillies. You finish a job and you think, realistically, I may never work again. (laughs) Kimberly runs Talented People, a TV production staffing company, after first working as a self-shooting PD within popular factual series and documentaries. Kim is a series and edit producer who has worked across programmes from first dates to currently the fantastical factory of curious craft at Studio Ramsey. Lastly, Rob is a PD who has worked on shows including Escape to the Chateau, The Undateables, and most recently with me, An American Aristocrat's Guide to Great Estates for the Smithsonian Channel. Um... So thanks. Thank you so much for being here. So I'm here with Kimberly, Kim, Rob and Arthur the dog, um, Rob's new puppy. <laughs> um, so, yeah, unemployment. Um, what, what are your general thoughts about, uh, about freelancing? I mean, I, don't, I wanted to talk about this topic because I don't think people talk about unemployment very much. And I know I find it really hard, but I can... I think it can also be really isolating because no one else talks about how hard it is. And like we were kind of saying earlier, like there's this bravado of pretending that everything's okay. We've got loads of meetings all the time. Um, and actually sometimes just the phone doesn't ring for a while. <laughs> it's rubbish, really, the unemployment bit of being freelance. I think some people can really embrace it, but there's always a massive insecurity about it. I think I think it's the case that you end up the busiest part of your contract is the end bit, isn't it? And that's the bit where you should be looking for work, but you can't look for work because you're working every hour under the sun. So it's the irony of needing your next gig and having no time to get it. And also you're probably pretty broken. This is another subject entirely, really, isn't it, for this industry? But then you have this time off and the first week perhaps is excellent. And you think, oh my gosh, I can get in touch with my friends and say that I'm alive and watch some telly and all of that. But then I think inevitably it sinks in that you may never work again. <laughs> yeah. And it's normally very dramatic um, and doesn't often happen for long, but it's quite terrifying. And as you said, Lulu, there's not a lot of support out there and people don't tend to talk about it that much. I mean, I, I know, I can't remember this chap's name, but um, there was someone, it wasn't firsthand, so I was told about this chap who's double BAFTA award-winning PD, SP, whatever he was, Six weeks before the end of his contract, he emails every single person he knows his CV. Oh, wow. Every single person, six weeks before. And, and that has stuck in my mind. And I'm now exactly six weeks before the end of my next contract. And I cannot <laughs> bother to do it because... I was the, say, I haven't had your CV, Kim. Yeah. <laughs> I sent it in January. Um, but uh, the, it's just the headspace, actually, yeah. to start thinking about oh, what have I got to say about this job and what am I looking to do next? Yeah. And is my, particularly, as you, I think, as you get further up the chain, is my series definitely going to deliver when it's meant to be delivering when my edit go on? So there's always that nervousness about doing it and starting balls rolling. But, um, yeah, unemployment happens to everybody. If this 
BAFTA award, double BAFTA award winning PD is emailing at his CV six weeks before. No one is immune. I don't have two BAFTAs under my belt, I'm sorry to say. Um, nobody is immune. So I, it happens to every single person. Yeah, and also the, the sometimes in this industry, your contracts are so short, especially as like, you know, if you are in sort of the shooting AP or DV director, you already come on for the shoots. And so you, you could be employed for say three or four weeks and you have to start looking for your next job yeah. before you've even started your first one, <laughs> yeah. um, which is really difficult to do. And jobs like that are the most intense, aren't they? Like that's, yeah, they that's are. When you're out on really, location, really you can't then, after doing an 18-hour day, go back to your hotel and start filling out no CVs to people because or you just need to sleep. So, And then, like you're saying, there, there is that very real fear because you're freelance. Um, you finish a job and you think, realistically, I may never work again. <laughs> And it's, it's, a, it's a bit dramatic, uh, but it is a very real possibility. I think it takes an incredibly level-headed and secure and confident person to not feel even a little bit like that. Yeah. Um, and I think even if you know that you've been doing well and your CV's looking good, inevitably everybody is out of work at a similar time. You know, we can always tell at talented people, we get CVs, we get an influx of the brilliant really? people hmm. and you know you know the people who kind of you know are, are fine at their jobs yeah. but also the very best and it's always at the same time yeah. and the times where we're incredibly busy doing searches for clients nobody no candidates are emailing us speculatively and then the time where the industry drops off or the peaks and troughs with the commissioning rounds suddenly we're getting an inbox full of oh hi uh, I'm just wondering what's up oh, you know what's what's going on with you know I'm looking for my next contract and you, you just know you get a sense that everybody's in the same boat and it would be very helpful if everybody spoke about it mm. I think the um, everybody being in the same boat there's there's also you know if you do reach out to other people and and sort of with people that you know who are out of work as well I found the, the biggest help uh, when I, whenever I've been out of work for a long period of time, is just going for lunch with somebody who's in the same boat as you. And you just, it gets you out of the house and you can just go away and you can just talk to somebody. And when you sort of externalize your feelings with somebody else, you kind of rationalize them as well. Mm. And you think, actually, no, it's, it's not that bad. We're, this happens every year. January and February, everyone's out of work. It's, you know, it's the worst sort of weather outside. So everyone's feeling a bit depressed. Um, and you feel like quitting the industry every single year. But then, you know, in sort of March, April, you get something and then you're, you're working them for the rest of the year, usually. Um, Do you find though, so I think it used to be just January and now it's January and half of February. Really? Yeah. You notice that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think so. I think, I think that period is longer. I think it's taking longer for channels to commission, mm. to get budgets signed off. I think that yeah. process, I don't know if you, you were probably in the same industry about the same time as me. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know about you, Rob, but um, I think that is a bit... I think that period is getting longer. I think it's slower for... for you know, there's less money knocking around, essentially. Yeah. Um, so the money they do spend, they have to be very careful that they're spending it on the right projects. So. I think the sign-off comes a lot later. I think the sort of... There's more of a grey area about, oh, it's sort of greenlit, but not totally. So companies can't freely staff up no. in the knowledge that it's definitely happening. And that's why we get the calls that are very late in the day to say, ah, we need a whole team to start Monday. Mm. And then, you know, that's when everybody then has had to either take other jobs or, you know, is still sitting there hoping for that very phone call. Yeah, I mean, mm. the fact that projects haven't been greenlit doesn't stop companies from calling you giving you an interview and say, yes, we'd love you to start. We're just waiting for the green light. Don't take anything without talking to us. And you go, okay, fine. Another job comes through. No, I've already agreed to something else. And then it just falls away. Yeah. 
and you just you're you know you're led down the garden path a little bit. That's actually a really good point. I think a lot of companies are now trying to do the whole keeping keeping people warm for longer, and then inevitably it it doesn't always pan out. And you know even if you're given you know you know you had a great connection with the exec, you know they told you that basically the gig is yours, and please don't take anything else. It's just being pushed through that final hurdle of the budget or something. But then at the last minute, a commissioner can come in and say actually, we really want you to use this person. And then you fall by the wayside and you might have turned other stuff down. Which and that's is exactly difficult. what happened to me last year. Really? Mm. Yeah. Five months I was talking to a production company for. And at the last moment, you know, I was the only one in the running. As far as the only other company was concerned, it was my job, my series. I was there shaping the team, the schedule, everything on my own time without being paid. The last moment the commissioner wanted somebody else. Um, and then you might know what I'm talking about. Not yet. Okay, you will. Um, and then um, that person who was brought in by the commissioner um, was offered the job, accepted the job, and then pulled out. And then I got a call back from that production company again. Oh, Oof. Brilliant. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Brilliant. Ouch. It's, it's, like, it's like, like one of the worst dating stories <laughs> yeah. that you ever experienced, isn't it? Yeah, it really I, is. I kind of fancy you. Oh, I've just met this other person. I really fancy them. Oh, actually, they don't want me, so I'm going back to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're a good backup. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Forget that there was that bit in the middle. Yeah. I guess the thing is, with unemployment, to me, it feels like this constant rejection. Like, there's so much rejection. But to me, it almost feels like every day, like, forget all the jobs that might fall through, or the jobs you don't get. Like, to me, every single day feels like I'm being actively rejected by everyone. And that's a bit dramatic, but as in... (laughs) Yeah, all right. (laughs) But as in, I can't help but feel like that. Um, Because it feels like everyone else is working... And no one's calling me. So in a way, it's kind of like, well, and I guess it's like passive reject. I don't know. It's hard to no, get. I, I, it's I, lonely. I, it's, it's what you're yeah. saying. Yeah. yeah I, 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 can, I completely yeah. agree with that. And I get that. And I, I feel like, um, I feel like I only really get jobs once everyone else has been employed. Yeah. That's, yeah. that, and it, which is irrational <laughs> to think that. Maybe it's not. Maybe that's the truth. But maybe you, <laughs> yeah. you um, everybody else gets employed. You think, okay, well, they've got to call me soon because there's no one else left. But that's perception, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and we all get that sort of mm. knock of self confidence. And, you know, but everyone is in the same boat. We're all thinking the same thing about ourselves all the time. So it's not. It, that's not, it can't be the case because yeah. that doesn't the maths don't work out on that yeah, do they? Yeah, of course. So. It's, it's it's an irrational thing, but because you are sort of on your own in your flat by yourself and you've got no one to really discuss this with and talk about, your mind does sort of go to these sort of dark places sometimes. And it's, it's I think your idea of, or your suggestion of meeting up with somebody for lunch and having a chat about it is a really good one. Mm. I also think there is only so much you can do. I think you have to set yourself a little goal of, okay, I'm going to send three new emails today, or I'm going to call up three people perhaps that I've worked with in the past and just remind them of my existence. Mm. Um, and then I'm going to go out and do something for me mm. because... We all know that the moment you're next back in a contract, it's insane and you won't have time for any of this stuff. So it's almost a case of when you're out of work, however hard it is, you can go to interviews, you can do as much as you can, but you have to plan some of your day for the me time for the, and that comes back to, you know, the very hot topic of mental health in the industry that you have to do something for you. Go for a swim, do some other exercise, meet your mum who you haven't seen for ages. Whatever it is, you have to go out and do something different because this industry is so, so challenging and tiring 
that you have to look after stuff. And in a way, that's what being freelance is in any other industry. Yeah. Being freelance means working for a chunk and having a chunk off. Yeah, actually. I, I, you, this may be a bad idea, but I think maybe it's down to you, Kimberly, in January, do a big freelancer meetup. I don't know, like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, yeah. may, might be a way of bring your CV in, get, yeah. bring other, you know, companies in and in January. Maybe that's the exact time of the year that we all need it. Actually, that new the, year, new CV, you know, nice come idea. and meet other people who are not employed. I don't yeah. know. I'm, I'm just yeah. handing you this it's enormous nice monkey. Idea. Thank you but, so much. I'll, I'll run with it. I'll run so with it. just go and solve all these problems. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. exactly. No, but, um, you know, or maybe, you know, because um, there's a, a cameraman... Clarky, um, James Clark, uh, and he does crew Christmas drinks because the crew never get invited oh, yeah, to a production nice. company. So every year he does crew Christmas drinks at this one pub somewhere and everybody turns up. Maybe actually what we need for editorial people, production people, is a January meetup when we're all unemployed and we've all eaten the mince pies and we need to get out of the house. And <laughs> may, I don't know, maybe that's a, something positive that we can try and do like the second, third week of January. Or I something. really like that. Mm. And actually after that blog post that I wrote about yeah, um, yeah. whether freelancing was actually liberating or very lonely, I had such an, uh, such an influx of emails from people saying, thank you for that. That's exactly how I feel. Mm. And it would be really nice to have more of a sense of community that it's okay to talk about this. <laughs> it sounds wrong, yeah. doesn't it? You should actually yeah, be yeah. enjoying you know, your, your time b- between contracts. But actually yeah. people are saying, it's making me feel dreadful. It's the opposite of being great. It's, it's because you have this free time. You think, okay, this is great. I can do all these different things. You know, I'll, I'll go out for dinner. I'll go out for lunch. Oh, do I really want to spend you know, 15, 15 quid on quid, lunch yeah. when yeah. I'm yeah. not actually earning anything at the moment and I might need this money yeah. later on down the line to actually... Exactly that. I mean, I remember back when I was on my very first job as a researcher 70 billion years ago, because I'm now that old, um, (laughs) the PD said, you must save for your times out of work. Like, you know, our weekly rates, whatever they are, aren't our true weekly rates. You need to knock a hundred quid or whatever you can afford off that every week and park it so that you can then you've got money throughout your unemployment times because we all have them I mean you know I've never done that (laughs) 17 years in television I have hands down and never done it but I really should (laughs) yes I love that you've basically just given yourself a pep talk yeah Yeah. Yeah. at least you you recognise that's what you should do that's the first step but, but, but then maybe I could go and afford that lunch yeah. during January yeah. when I, you know, stuck in It's true because nobody teaches us that stuff either, do they? No. And like you said, you had a wise PD who you completely ignored, but <laughs> who, who was willing to give you that advice. And it sounds like that's exactly what we should all be doing. It's, you know, take off the tax, take yeah. off the saving money for, you know, out of work time, and then you can enjoy it. Yeah. Easy. Just the best period is where you finish a job and you've got another job lined up and you've oh, got like two or three weeks oh, between you. Yeah. Think, yeah. Incredible. And then you yeah. still is it, Those are the moments you're like, I have made it. I've yeah. got this industry yeah. nailed. Yeah. I've got three weeks off. I've got a job for six months. I've like, totally got it. <laughs> <laughs> Living the dream. Yeah. And yeah, oh, then, then the January. series gets cancelled. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or the other person sp- gets the uh, Yeah, <laughs> you spent all your money. Yeah. I, I found another thing that um, really helped me when I was unemployed was I bought cinema membership. And just went during the day. Oh, daytime cinema. Yeah, just went oh, daytime cinema. Luxury. Because it's just, it's a really nice, instead of just sitting there waiting for your phone to ring, yeah. 
I mean, the one place it's definitely going to ring is if you sit in the cinema. <laughs> yeah. So just go there and you'll you'll get people calling you. Well, but also you're getting out of the house yeah. and you're watching something with a story and a narrative. You're yeah. looking at lighting, mm-hmm. you're looking at direction. It is win-win. <laughs> <laughs> so all these things. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think it gets easier? I mean, I've been working in TV for about four years now, so not ages. So you've been in TV 17 years. 17 years this year. Like, does it get easier? No, <laughs> no. Um, last year I had, uh, so it wasn't, I think my job finished at like end of Feb. So March, April, May, I did a few bits here of edit, well, I'm a serious producer, but I like to mix it up with edit producing. So I did a few bits of edit producing here, and there, but it was, you know, no constant money coming in. And I'm the main breadwinner in my family. And so I've got a husband who stays at home with my two little kids. And so the pressure was phenomenal. I, you know, to the point where I was like, I can't be in this industry anymore. Mm. I've got to do something else because I can't. I could not take it. It was horrible, really, really mm. horrible. So, um, but then, you know, since that period, I've had and worked on the and the most amazing series with the most amazing exec. And I'm like, you ruined my plans. I was going to leave television. <laughs> now I'm in quandary again because I've really enjoyed it. So it's still a roller coaster. It is always difficult. But I think that that is the world of freelancing. And I think that if someone said to me, here's a permanent job, we're going to pay you this, but you've got to sit at this this desk for the next three years. I'd probably run for the hills. Mm. That's drastic, though, isn't it? That that one particular project or a couple of different situations or people can affect your whole world and your 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 opinion of an entire industry and the career you've built up over many many years. It's yeah. it's serious. Yeah, last year yeah. was tough. Yeah, I I um, when I made the transition to to PD um, a couple of years ago now. And I finished a long contract and then I'd been working away for about four months and I came back in sort of November. I thought, well, November is fine because, you know, we're getting on the run up to Christmas. I won't do anything else. Uh, and they asked me to go back for three weeks, but it was over the Christmas period. And I said, no. Uh, so I had December off as well. I thought, well, no one works sort of January. And then I had another job that was sort of penciled in start February. I thought, OK, this is fine. And then that got pushed through till May. And just that period, I was like, I don't, I mean, I'd saved up a, a, enough money to kind of get me through it, but just, but I was just thinking, why is this, why is nothing happening for me now? You know, I've, I've made the, I've made the step up to PD, which is what I've been trying to do for the last couple of years. Um, but this isn't any easier. In fact, it's harder because you, once you step up to the next level, you're then at the yes. bottom of that, mm-hmm. that sort of bracket. Um, and but but since then I, I've got something. And again, I was I was like, yeah, I was like, I can't be in this industry anymore. I, you know, this isn't this is no way uh, to make a living. I can't do this until I'm seventy years old, uh, and I still feel like that now. <laughs> <laughs> but but um, but then I got something, and then um, uh, the thing I worked on with you, Lulu, and and it went really well, and it kind of reinvigorated my my love for for the industry and then I went on to another job and and got a promotion on that and 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 everything's everything's rosy everything's fine again I'm doing really well but I know that there is there could be a period around the corner where you just think I can't do this anymore it is worrying though isn't it that there's four of us sitting in a room and we haven't come together really because we've all said to you Lulu or we've we've come to you saying we've got an experience to tell you about. We are just people in telly who are here to have a chat about the subject. And yet all of us, and me included, have had times 
like that where we've actually considered leaving the industry. And my, mm. my time was because I had my first child went back to TV. I think I was doing development producing for a bit, but I felt that I couldn't, I was compromising my own skills by doing a job where I wanted to leave at six o'clock. I was sort of torn going, I've got, I know it's development, but there's definitely calls I could be making after work. And I don't like that version of me because before kids, I would have been that person staying late to do those calls. And now I want to leave at six to see my child at bath time. And I didn't like that. So I, I sort of decided to remove myself from that situation before I became a diluted version of what I was before. And I moved into talent, which thankfully has been the best decision ever. Um, but I did feel like I can't be that person that I was before kids because I was a good shooter as well. And, you know, that sent me off all over the world, which was incredible then. But it made me wobble so much that before I found the job um, in talent and then set up Talent of People, I thought about leaving completely as well. I went for interviews at, actually randomly, at like a university in my patch that does sort of media courses and stuff. And I was starting to think, what else can I do when my hours are contained, where I still get that that drive and that excitement because it's about the industry that I'm, I want, I still want it to be about the telly industry because I know so much about it and I've put so much hard work into it, but I, and it's really cool. It's enjoyable. really, really cool, but I can't, I can't do the traveling and I can't do the late nights mm. as much. I can schedule them, but, and also there's the, the childcare thing. I, you know, when you're out of work, I think you'd, you'd, you know, wondered about that Lulu is, is what, what do you do? Because if you could put your child or children in nursery and then you have six weeks out of work, you're still paying for nursery. I think, I think naively, I sort of thought before, oh, well, you can kind of take them out and put them in and I could have six weeks with my children. That would be lovely between contracts. Yeah. You can't do that because you have to pay. You pay for their place. That's, That's exactly right. what's happening to my edit producers in the floor below this here. We had a pause after, you know, over Christmas from this show that we're currently got in the edit still. It was meant to start on a certain day. It then got pushed back, pushed back for various reasons I won't bore anyone with. But, um, you know, she still had to pay for her child to be in full-time childcare. And then you have that dilemma of, do I take them out and rock the boat? Um, it's so disrupting to them. Disrupting, exactly. Even if you take out the financial consideration. And then you're at home paying for your child to be at nursery with no job. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Double whammy. Double whammy. <laughs> Punch Double to the whammy. gut. So do, you, do you think that, I mean, it must increase like the anxiety of never working again with children. I mean, for me, obviously, I don't have children. And so I'm worried that I can't pay my rent, but I don't have the worry of children. Do you think that makes it like as soon as you have children, does that make it? a lot um I'm gonna say yes Um, like I just you know on all (laughs) I love my children and they bring me so much happiness but the pressure is you know another level that I could never have anticipated Mm. and there is no security when you're Mm. freelance there was no maternity leave which is why I went back when my first was 16 weeks old and my second was 11 weeks old because I couldn't afford to stay off work any longer um so yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to be negative, and you know, but equally, I don't want to paint an unrealistic picture. It, 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 for me, anyway, my experience is that yeah, the pressure is there because, but but it's you know, I think maybe um, doubly so with me because I'm I'm the breadwinner. You know, if if my husband, you know, just the way we work it, he stays at home with the kids, I earn more. So um, if I had his permanent job, full time salary, perhaps the pressure wouldn't be there. But that's not the way the cookies crumble for me. Mm. Yeah, I yeah, it's a, it's funny, isn't it? I think the pressure was always there, and obviously it is mm. probably heightened when you have children. But 
as long as you don't you know you don't want to default on your rent or your mortgage or you know have your kids on the streets it's kind of the same sort of the same thing in a way like you yeah. never it's all the same I just need to work to pay for stuff yeah. and um, actually I think the pressure is more about I want to work and see my children more than because yes. I could probably take any job even a rung down and be able to pay or contribute towards whatever we need to for nursery or whatever you just have to be slightly less um, precious and then you, there's a whole new set of worries about you know what does your CV look like but ultimately that is more in perspective when you have a family to look after, I think, because you're like, I just need to earn stuff. It's more about what will this job fit in with the balance of being a parent and having, you know, having children that you actually see because it's quite a bonus having kids and then actually seeing them. It's, you know, it's quite helpful at times. You know, they remember who you are and that you're quite cool. Yeah, I did. My, my eldest once said to me, because I'd been working away a bit and, and I was there in the morning when she got up, she went, hello, I don't see you anymore. Oh, Stabbed to the heart. Broken. And then uh, my youngest, the following year later, sat on the sofa after I'd finished a job and I had a day off and I said, Mummy, where do you live? Well, I live here with you and Daddy and your sister. No, you don't. You live at work. And I was like, oh, oh God. God. Oh, my God. That's dreadful. Oh, yeah. Your husband's like, write that. Remember what we practised? <laughs> <laughs> no, he thinks it's hilarious. He just laughs and I'm like weeping in a corner. Yeah, but then the next day you have off with them totally. They're probably like, Mummy, I hate you. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Swings around about. Swings around about. Just totally. Yeah, no, I can only imagine the pressures of having a child, but like having... Arthur here, who's now sleeping quite quietly next to me. I can't go to the bathroom without him crying for me. <laughs> that is like having a child, yeah. though. He's, he's, yeah. he's, he's very needy. He's either needy or bitey. This is two functions. <laughs> I'm actually taking a photo right now of Arthur yeah. sleeping on the sofa. Yeah. Our uh, conversation is more scintillating. They've actually put the dog to sleep. Yeah. Yeah, yeah great. <laughs> Have you ever had any side projects like when you're not working i've thought about like other i don't know you should start a podcast oh that's a really good idea (laughs) but yeah i don't know or other like paid work or kim you had a you started yeah so um it was actually born out of that period of uncertainty that i had last year in telly and i was like i've got to do something Mm. else um and my it was actually just chatting my husband actually had the idea and then I picked it up and really ran with it which was that uh, he said we should do um, Woodstock for kids so um, I started doing my own children's festival which I ran a week and a half ago um, so yeah. it's called the kids fest up in Peterborough so that's not too far where we live at an indoor arena um, so yeah so I'd been doing that on the side as well as SPing on a first series for the last six months, which wow. has nearly killed me. Um, <laughs> I think I've had one day off since the 1st of January. Um, so uh, it's really, it's a lot of transferable skills from telly to organising festivals. Um, and there's a lot of creative freedom in doing that. Um, and it was an enormous fun. And it's something that I'm probably going to continue doing on the side hopefully for the foreseeable future if you can afford to put another one on so um, I reckon when Lulu asked that question about whether or not you'd had side projects she probably meant like bar work bit of PAing here yeah. and there not yeah. actually pulling off a massive <laughs> first kids festival with six and a half thousand people was it six and a half thousand yeah we had six and a half thousand people there so it, you know it was um 
Yeah, my mum and dad kept saying, can't you just do something a bit smaller? I was like, no, go big or go home. Like, it's, yeah. it's, it's either a fate or a festival. I'm not doing a fate. So, Amazing. yeah, it, it ended up, yeah, it was quite big. Um, and I had a lot of um, telly friends actually come and volunteer for the weekend for me because they were, wait for it, out of work. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> very tough deal. Well. Um, so, no, um, yeah, and, you know, over the different periods of time being out of work for whatever reason, I've always had little business ideas that I've developed, perhaps not done anything with, and it's just a way to keep your brain yeah. occupied and put your creativity into something. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, side projects, def- definitely do them. And, I, you know, I, I, you know, even just from a, an SP in, who employs people and crews up, you know, if I was looking at your CV, Lulu, if you came to me as an AP and the fact that you've got up off your arse and done this podcast all by yourself and come up with it executed it and got it out there into the internet is actually really impressive and so doing those side projects can really help your career Mm. as well depending on what they what they are you know it might not have to be anything to do with media or communications but it could be something where you've been creative or you've had to organize people you've had to find people you know those Mm. skills can help you back into telly as well as as out so um i'm I'm an advocate yeah i love that honestly CV. Do you know, I always look for what else people do on a CV. I, I just think it's almost in a way what we as a company who gets, you know, engaged in searches to find great people, it's, it adds value for us. If I, it's, I could send a CV to anybody here and they get a oh, great, so they've done SAS and they've done first dates and whatever. But the added value is, and did you know when they were a student they did x y and z or um on the side they've organized this massive festival or yeah the podcast example you know all of those things are they provide color to who you are they give um they give almost direction to the to the client to the production company about what sort of a person you are you know that you have drive and ambition and that you work hard um and that you have ideas side projects um are great i i think there is I always find that I think, okay, I'm not working, money's tight, have I got, you know, do I have the time to put into these side projects when I could go and get a bar job or yeah. go and be a temp or something, and, you know, because my first priority is earning some money, paying rent, paying mm-hmm. my way. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's nice to do these crazy things. I, I um, about 10 years ago, I came up with a, a documentary idea where I, I learned chess boxing what? And I, that? It's it's um it's a hybrid sport of chess and boxing. So many images in my head right mm. now. Do you hit so, them with chess with, pieces? So you, you get you get into a ring and you play speed chess for three minutes. Yeah. And then the second round, you put on the boxing gloves and you box for three minutes, and then you alternate between chess and boxing. And, and that was a thing. It still is a thing. Right. Okay. I was the, I was one of the first eight people to have a competitive chess boxing match in the UK. This is blowing my mind. And you're, was, you're leading the podcast with this. By the way. <laughs> it was a. Uh, yeah, it was in the Boston Dome in Tufnell Park. And there's about 500 people watching. They still have them every can I months. Can I just ask, though, because the, yeah. sk- the skills that you need as a chess <laughs> so player and the yeah. skills that you need as a boxer are very, very oh, different. They're, they're, no, well, you think that, but they're very, very similar. Oh, That's why because a lot of the moves. Of, look, it's all about, it's all about um, strategy. It's about Hell exploiting mate. weaknesses. It's about protecting uh, vital areas like your king or your head. Um, a lot of um, boxers incorporate chess into their training. Lennox Lewis is a very good chess player. <gasps> Anthony Joshua is. Anthony Joshua, oh. very good chess player. Oh, this um, is not so Klitsch. strange in the end. No, no. That's surprising. Um, it's a revelation. Klitschko is a very good uh, chess player and um, a lot of grandmasters also uh, do a lot of boxing. 
as part of their training. Wow. So it was good. I fought the political editor of the Metro. Wow. Did you uh, win? No, God no. <laughs> uh, I'd never boxed or really played chess before and I had two months of training. And okay, uh, we, we fought and no headgear uh, at all. Uh, he, was, he was half a foot taller than me and a stone and a half heavier. And been training for about a year. Oh. And I got a concussion out of it. But I didn't go down. I okay. stayed at my face. I just, I resigned in the last round of chess. Must have been quite challenging okay. to play chess with concussion. Yeah, oh. it was. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, it didn't... <laughs> Can't I don't, play at the best of times. Well, I was going to say, it didn't, it didn't hamper my chess ability in any way. Because I was that bad at chess anyway. So <laughs> having a concussion just made me a little bit freer with my moves. Wow. Did they call um, the... the oh, they, call it, they call it chess boxing, do they? Surely yeah. it should be called rookie. 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 rookie, like Rocky. All oh, right, but Rook. But, yeah, no, <laughs> no, so I've no. never heard. Can't that. I love that name. I mean, I'd commission that, Kimberly. <laughs> Thank you. If I'm, I'll commission. <laughs> Let me just write that up. <laughs> yeah. Half an hour um, in a wall pager. Yeah, so I went off for three months and and did that. Didn't cool. work, but had my own yeah. camera and just thought I'd develop this thing. You got pitched at Edinburgh, but. It's brilliant. Like you say, it's great for occupying the mind, yeah. really good for creativity, yeah, yeah. but actually, you know, when it comes down to it, it's not earning you any money. Yeah. So that, yeah. that's... But do you know what? You may have learned something new. It kept you occupied to stop you yeah. from going mad. It's going to be like, the headline of this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so... Yeah. It, look, we all need to earn money and we can't ignore that, yeah. but there were so many advantages and so many things that you would have got out of that experience. Mm, you know, yeah, absolutely. Or, you know, or, or, you know, going to volunteer somewhere. Mm. You know, and do you know? You know, I do bits of yeah. volunteering here and there. Um, With all that time you have spare, <laughs> <laughs> do a one day off this year. Uh, but again, that, that's another point. If you go uh, and volunteer, you think, oh, yeah, okay, I can, I can um, dedicate a couple of hours a day to this, mm-hmm. um, and I'll go and volunteer for the next few weeks, and then the next day you get a call about work, yeah. and then you have to let people down. So it's it is, yeah. it's a tricky sort of um, it's a tricky balance. It is. Yeah. I think I always say just to be. To be honest, that's a, a tip that I often give out to freelancers. It sounds really basic, but to be transparent about what interviews you're going for and or, or not going for. I think um, people are confused when they ask us things like, oh, um, I've actually got an interview like in 10 days. Should I say that or not? Um, or I don't know how I'm feeling right now about this particular contract. I don't know if it's for me. Still sort of within the, you know, the subject matter of unemployment, but I just think being completely upfront and being completely honest, both with yourself and the people that you're talking to, is the best thing. Because then, if a job does come along or your volunteering mm. thing, you know, gets cut short because of a job, at least you will have had that conversation from the outset yeah. and said, "I work in telly. I might get a phone call." Or you go to an interview and say, "I really love this project. I do have one more meeting that I want to honour, um, uh, but I really want to let you know. Tell me if you need to know before next Wednesday or something." To be much more upfront like that, it's, it shows that you're assertive. It shows that you have confidence in yourself. It just means it's fair for everybody. And then I just think no one can be cross if it doesn't work out at the end if you've told them upfront at the beginning. Yeah, absolutely. I've always wondered. This is sort of on the same topic. I, you know, when you write emails to people, and I always have. I feel so. I still struggle with writing emails to people about work because I still feel like they're going to be like, oh, how sad. She's not working. This is embarrassing. Uh, yeah, no, I think that's just me. So. But no, 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 just, just to be sure. <laughs> if my CV lands on my desk, like, you know, somebody speculatively emailed me their CV last week. Oh, I don't know. And I mm. said, I'm not crewing up at the moment, but contact the talent manager at wherever I'm at the moment. Yeah they'll be able to help you and like I've never entered my head so don't ever no. worry yeah. about that because 
as you should be hopefully learning from this, <laughs> is that everyone gets it. Everyone's yeah. unemployed at yeah. some point because we're freelance and that is inherent yeah. in the world. Yeah, I think there's such a temptation to pretend that you're not emailing about work, that you're emailing about, like, you really want to know how they are. and I, I know what you mean. That's just a British thing, though. I think, think. I think you either have to be totally direct and mm. I'd say, I'd, I always say keep them keep your emails really short it's like dear so and so I'm coming free then or I'm free at the moment here's my latest CV I've just done this amazing thing on XYZ where I did you know this and it you know shows mm. people skills or whatever um, and that's it just be direct I think also what really helps you not feel like you're being oh I'm so sorry I'm asking about work is actually to genuinely take an interest in the production company that you're emailing mm. and watch something that they have recently put out mm-hmm. so you can say dear so-and-so and genuinely say I loved or you know yeah. I, I found your documentary on blah blah so it's really interesting and actually it had some really relatable points um, from the project I've just been working on and so se- you know, segue it otherwise it may it really does draw you in it's an ego flattering thing for the yeah. company yeah. it also shows you've done your homework and you've, you've got an interest and then you can relate it to your own CV so it's sort of winning all the way around I think that's much more intelligent and thoughtful than just sending a CV I mean at times it can feel sort of quite disingenuous and it, and it can be quite funny if somebody does it to you and they haven't done their homework I was working on Big Brother uh, as an AP um, years ago and I got an email from somebody saying um, oh I, you know, I, I really want to work in TV I love the stuff your company does I really love Peaky Blinders <laughs> and I was like yeah. I was like I work on you know <laughs> Work on Big Brother. So, not even the same genre. The same that, that's genre. a classic cut and paste mistake, yeah, yeah, yeah. isn't it? We've all yeah. done it. Yeah. It's horrible. Yeah. Um, you feel sick. <laughs> I'll tell you what, yeah, the, the, uh, the font differences as well. It's like, everybody check your font because if you've oh, got yeah, different sizes oh. and different fonts, you know that they just come. Colours. The blue oh. to, the blue to yeah. black. <laughs> Everyone yeah. knows you do it. It's fine to have a kind of template because you're trying to sell your skills. But and you're being efficient with your time. You yeah. are. Mm-hmm. But stick it in a Word document first. Just format it so it's all the same. Paste it back into email. Yeah. Done. Yeah. People often ask us how how much is it or how often is it okay to email somebody? Yeah. I think that's it's hard to say because I think mm. you have to just gauge it. And obviously when you're out of work and twiddling of thumbs and you've got a finite set of contacts, it's hard because you're tempted to keep going, oh, I'm still free in case you've forgotten. And it's true that, you know, our inboxes move so fast these days that if you're not near the top, you may get forgotten, but not if you've got excellent systems like we do <laughs> but um but execs or whoever execs, may not that's true so, yeah. so yeah, i think I mean, it's okay i mean i think if they've said i won't know for a month don't email next week yeah. no i think yeah, two yeah. to three weeks is sort of okay for a little reminder and you just keep what i tend to especially if you haven't had a reply what i would do is reply to your first email just very politely just say just a little nudge just to see if you've had the chance to read my email below you know, totally understand if you're really busy sort of thing. But normally I, it makes me go, oh gosh, okay, I haven't replied to their first email. I'll definitely send them a quick reply that I'm going to look and call them back next. I mean, I don't know how you feel though, but going back to where you said you, you feel sort of um, almost, oh, they're going to think I'm you know, silly for being out of work. I think that if I if I tasked you with something on a job like, Lulu, I need you to find this location, you wouldn't have any qualms at all about emailing 50 people, 50 different options in order to try and find that that location that was perfect. And I think we need to apply those principles in order to try and find work because it's no different. We, you know, it, 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 we are often quite confident when we're trying to find that stately home that we need for that shoot. 
And often that's a lot easier because you've got the cover of Channel 4 or the BBC to sort of fall back on. But I think try and my advice would be to try and use that same mindset when you're trying to find yourself work. As employers, we all want to just find the best people. And so happily, I'll read your email. Don't ever think not to send it. I think that's good advice. When, when someone says to you, oh, but, you know, keep in touch, you think, okay, do. Okay, well, so I'm, I'm going to keep in touch. You, you're going to regret saying that. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to keep I mean, I had a, uh, I went on with a, uh, there was a talent manager at Endemol for a good few weeks where I just got bored with sending a, hello, I'm still available email. I said, look, should I just send, start sending you drawings? And she said, I'd love that. So on the iPad, I was drawing like squirrels reading magazines and um, a tortoise playing football. Brilliant. And yeah, just because I just I got I just got so Bob was saying I'm still available I'm still available so here's a here's a cartoon I've drawn you yeah I have a bit of personality <laughs> attached with your CV presumably attached with my CV yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah CV written in crayon <laughs> <laughs> yeah somebody that um had been emailing me we'd been having a bit of an exchange about a job um had accident no I had accidentally signed off Kajimbali I just accidentally stuck a J in there with my time <laughs> speed typing so she then next time signed um, signed off Kajat her name is Kat and that became a thing and it's like quite nice and now I always think of her as Kajat and she's like hey Kajimbali how's it going and it just you know just helps a little bit but yeah we are all human it's okay to show that side of you you know if you make a mistake or if you want to be you know make a small appropriate joke it's mm. all good <laughs> <laughs> Make sure jokes are appropriate. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Again, something I've learned the hard way. Yeah. <laughs> we won't ask. No. <laughs> um, thank you so much for talking to me. It's been um, it's been really interesting. I think it's really nice to know that everyone goes through the same thing. Definitely. Everyone has the same thoughts. solidarity. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, and I don't think yeah, it's hard to get that sense yeah. in everyday get, work. Get out of the house. <laughs> talk to people. Go for lunch. Yeah. Yeah. Daytime cinema. Daytime cinema. Yeah. Don't go to the pub. That's yeah. a that's yeah. dangerous. Yeah. That's significant. <laughs> that. I'm going to take the daytime cinema. Daytime cinema. Daytime cinema. Yeah, I'm go, taking that away. Yeah. Me. Going to the cinema mm. on your own during the day when there's no one else mm. there yeah. is brilliant. It's Absolutely. a bit like daytime reading. That always feels like a luxury, like to sit mm. down and open a book. Yeah, mm-hmm. but you're a parent, so anytime you open a book, it's utterly thrilling. There's nobody anyway. on the toilet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. With the door locked so they can't get you. Anytime you open a book and something doesn't pop up out of it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, like, oh no, I brought in the Smeds and the Smooths again yeah. by Julia Donaldson. It's a posy. Oh, <laughs> oh no. <laughs> and also, good luck. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> good luck, you. good luck to us all. Good luck, yeah, everyone. good luck, everyone. Yeah. Email me your CVs. <laughs> <laughs> See you in uh, January for the meetup. Oh, yeah, yeah let's, totally yeah, let's do that. We're gonna do, we'll, we'll do that together, regardless of what's happening. You're an events person, right? Yeah. <laughs> so she can help me. No, we will do that in January. Let's I like do that. it. I think it's a really good idea. Thanks for listening to this episode of Production Pieces. Thanks to Mungo and 24-7 Kit for kindly providing the sound equipment for this episode. And thank you, of course, to Kimberly, Kim, and Rob. I've had some interest in the wellness action plan Rich Bentley mentioned in the last episode. If you're interested for your production, a template can be found on the Mind Charity website. You can find a link down in the description of this episode. If you like this episode, then please subscribe, review and tell your friends and colleagues about the podcast. A new episode will be released every third Wednesday, so the next episode will be out on the 25th of March. See you then.